We got new boots and I'm so thrilled. They're Tacova's boots. And you know why I'm so excited about getting Tacova's boots and why I was so happy to get mine why? in the mail? Because why? the girlies from Potomac went to the Tacova store in the most recent season of Real Houses of Potomac. And I was like, if Robin and Karen have Tacovas, I want Tacovas. Well, I have a good reason too, because I've been doing a bunch of line dancing and I didn't have any cowboy boots. And so I got my Tacovas. Oh. And let me tell you, the difference it makes to be dancing in cowboy boots. Huge. On the line dancing floor. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. So you can really smack the floor and swing around. You need cowboy boots. Yeah, I didn't get cowboy boots. I got Chelsea boots, but they're great. They're brown. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see them. They're just, I like taking them on and off. They're so lovely. They're kind of a beautiful leather. They're beautiful leather. Well, they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. They've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. It's true because cowboy boots can be a little bit hard to mm -hmm. break in. Yep. You know? Yep. Mine, I was swinging around, no pain. <laughs> no pain. And Tacova's is Western to their core. They offer a bunch of other head-to-toe Western staples like trucker jackets, the perfect jeans, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. They believe in Western for all. And you can feel that when you go into their stores. When you walk in, you'll be greeted like family. I saw them do it to the girlies from the Real House of Potomac. It seemed like they were being greeted like family. You'll be offered a boot shine and a drink. Yes, even the hard stuff if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. But if you can't make it into a store, Tacova's delivers the most premium quality and the most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. You will drive it. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And come see us for the last dates of our tour this year. We are going to be in Chicago, Minneapolis, then Detroit this weekend. We're in Chicago tonight. Tonight. If you have nothing to do and you're in Chicago or in the Chicago area tonight, why not just come to our show? Like, what are you doing? Like, what's going like, on? Why not? And especially yeah. if you have nothing to do in Detroit, come to Detroit. Let me tell you, <laughs> there's space. There's space. Well, here's the thing. Neither of these three shows are sold out. You know what? It's fine. That means there's space for you to decide last minute, I want to go see Who Weekly Live. And I think that's fabulous because sometimes I do decide I want to see, see things last minute and yeah. they're sold out. And I'm like, what the fuck? But you know what? You don't need to have that issue. There's space in all of them. But when I tell you there's space in Detroit, there's space. <laughs> bring your friends, bring your family, bring your apartment building, bring your coworkers, bring everyone on your block. Bring your zip code. <laughs> no, it's going to be incredible. That's amazing. No, okay, play the call now. Play the first call. Hi, Who Weekly. It's Spotify rap season. Um, should I be proud, embarrassed, or what? But I've listened to 6,252 minutes of Who Weekly this year. And that's not even counting any of the Patreon episodes I've listened to, which I've listened to them all. So thank you for taking up the majority of my brain space. Love you guys. Crunch, crunch. No, caller. It's not embarrassing. It's wonderful. We're so thrilled that you listen to so many minutes of us. Thousands of minutes of us. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how we do it. I don't know how we create the minutes, let alone you hear them. But I guess for us, creating them takes more time than you hearing them. So imagine how much time we spent. I'm joking. I like, sound like my mom, like twisting it into making you feel bad. I'm like, well. <laughs> um, imagine us recording it. That's time. Editing it, that's even more time. <laughs> then listening to it again because we're both psychos. And then we listen to the episode again. That's too much Who Weekly. 
I mean, it's great to see everyone posting their unwrapped. I know, or unwrapped, wrapped, unwrapped, wrapped, wrapped, wrapped. wrapped? Unwrapped is the uh, Food Network show. Wrapped is Spotify's uh, <laughs> Star- way of showing that's, that's off all their data. That's by Mark. By Mark, what's his Summers. Face? Mark. Mark Summers. Mark Summers. This is how Smarties are made. I love seeing how Smarties are made. <laughs> I will say I do know that not everyone uses Spotify to listen to podcasts. In fact, I don't listen to Spotify uh, podcasts on Spotify. So Mm-mm. if you are, I'm not, we're not going to be mad if we don't see your wrapped. It doesn't mean we don't think you're listening. You know, we know, we know, we know what's you're up. Listening. Yeah. We know you're listening. So thank you. But everyone who shared theirs, thank you so much. And we appreciate it. What was your most played artist, Lindsay? Oh, wait, did it match mine? I don't have to ask. That's right. It was <laughs> Stephanie Germanata. That's so embarrassing. We talked about Another this year like... of Stephanie Germanata being the number one artist. I mean, and not even just by a little, by a lot. I mean, it compared our, Spotify very kindly compared our listening of Lady Gaga when I told it to. You and I'm a bigger stan by 100 minutes. You had a hundred more minutes of Lady Gaga than me, which is impressive. That's mm. good. Mm. That's good. Mm. What was the mm. the funniest thing we did? One of those Spotify blends and the shared Lady Gaga track that it gave to both of us was not anything you would have ever guessed. It was simply Chromatica One. Chromatica One. <laughs> <laughs> that best represents our combined love of Lady Gaga. Yeah, I gotta say the blend is hilarious, but not quite blending with itself. But I appreciate the feature. So thank you, Spotify, for that. Spotify blend updates every day. Let's see. Let's see if it's updated the two of us. It Let's updates see, every day. Bobby. I haven't even like listened to anything since yesterday. Let's see my let's see my blend with you. Made for two blend. Let's see. It begins with Charlie. Oh, we got Free Woman, the remix with Rina Sawayama. We got we we both got that. And um, we okay. both got Grow. Is there anything? Oh, well, you have your weird no, bonus track of this Lord. This didn't update. It hasn't updated. This hasn't updated yet. It hasn't updated yet. What's the funniest thing on this? Let's see. What's the absolute funniest thing on this? But it has this? to be something from both of us, not from either of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Top three things that are pulled from both of our lists in history. Seaside by Diane Warren and Rita Ora. <laughs> I wonder why. Everything is Embarrassing by Sky Ferreira. Uh-huh. I listen to that a lot. And Lose You to Love Me by Selena Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great song. Also that's because good. of because that's of good. hacks. Okay, you know what? That's great. We're really that's no, great. we're really we have good taste. A lot, a lot of Del Rey on here. Let's take some more calls because again, you are listening to Who's There, a weekly call that show where we get your questions, comments, and concerns at six one nine Who Them. Let's start with these comments. <laughs> Lindsay, Bobby, I love you. I'm trying to be calm, but Larry is Louie and Harry, not Liam and Harry. I'm sure you're getting other calls about this. I'm taking deep breaths. Crunch, crunch. Okay, people aren't out here shipping Liam family values pain with Harry queer baiting styles. Larry is about Louie and Harry. Come on. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. I'm just calling. I think I've called you about this before, but you constantly confuse Liam and Louie from One Direction. Hey, Lindsay Bobby, it is um, Louie and Harry that are Larry. Larry, uh, guys, are you not Larry couple? Hi, I know I'm not the only one to call because obviously, 
I have I don't like I've never said it wrong on the show. I'm so sorry. 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 I'm so s
said didn't exist essentially or or you know like the culture acted as though it didn't exist which is fully fine by me because it's kind of a humiliating movie to be in but um yeah that just really wigged me out i kind of can't believe you guys are talking about it ah okay anyway crunch crunch. oh actually (laughs) the only part of the movie that i understood or enjoyed as a six-year-old like going to the premiere was the clone who was a clone of a clone which is the one Lindsay was referring to with the mythic brain cells um so that should show you how uh sort of what a sensitive portrayal of a you know somewhat mentally incapacitated person was that a six-year-old loved it and thought it was hilarious anyway I need to end the call. Crunch, crunch. <laughs> what? What do you? What do you? What do you say to that? What do you? What do you say to that? You say thank you for your service. You did an amazing job. She's the daughter for multiplicity. Do you know how many different like takes they had to do? What do you mean how many different takes they had to do? Like, because there's so many different Michael Keatons. Uh, someone just earnestly tweeted at us late last night, super late to this, but one of my favorite bits on Who Weekly is how earnestly Lindsay discusses multiplicity absolutely every chance she gets, which is true, I've but never in my d- life would I have expected the daughter from multiplicity to call in and yeah, say, I'm a hooligan. The thing. Clearly it works. I wanted a little bit more dirt from this. First of all, we got the permission to play this. So the caller says, don't play it. But we, but then we said, can we play it though? And she was like, yeah, it's fine. You can play it. So don't, you know, think we went, we did this without her permission. I want a little more dirt about the production. I want a more What's, behind the scenes. What kind of dirt are you expecting from Michael Keaton and Andy McDowell? It's one of like the most technologically forward films of its time. <laughs> I was looking at the... Uh, daughter and multiplicities IMDb because I was like were they in anything else like was this just a one-off thing it was a one-off thing not counting their appearance on one talk show uh, presumably to promote this movie can you guess to the talk show multiplicity, obviously. 1996 what's a kid friendly talk Rosie I got it so she got to go on Rosie that's so exciting I'm just looking at multiplicity daughter how do you not think of how do you i'm just saying like people are like wow you bring up multiplicity a lot i'm like how do you not think of multiplicity every time someone <laughs> says like cloning like that is like the number one thing oh my god she's so cute you're so cute you're so cute stop she's so cute okay sorry thank you for calling in and thank you for giving us permission to play this what a delight what a delight Hi, Who Weekly. I'm so excited to call about this. I actually called about this a long time ago, and it actually is finally relevant. But in relation to your Freud call, Edward Bernays, who is the nephew of Freud, is the inventor of public relations, literally the term public relations and the whole field. There is an Adam Curtis documentary called Century of Self, um, if you can watch on YouTube or on BBC about how he brought Freud's um, ideology basically into PR and capitalism. It's crazy, but point being, Edward Bernays, um, inventor of PR, Freud, PR, it all makes sense. Crunch, crunch, scarjo, yummy pop. Fascinating. God, it all goes back to that's Freud. That's what I'm always insane. saying. Insane. Bernays used Uncle Sigmund Freud's ideas to help convince the public, among other things, that bacon and eggs was the true all-American breakfast. So mm-hmm. he was like, literally, public relations is psychology. Like, I am using, like, brain tricks as invented by my uncle 
or whatever mm-hmm. to trick the public into these things that then became modern day public relations. I love it. I absolutely love it. PR is tricky like that. Do all the PR people out there know about that? They should probably study up on the history. Maybe it'll make them better at their jobs instead of emailing me. Dear blank, <laughs> have you seen the new season of whatever? Find a way to actually get my attention. Do something like sort of sexual. Like find a way to like really coerce me. Psychosexual. Psychosexual. (laughs) Psychosexual. Yes. Psychosexual. Uh, Next call. Hey, Lindsay Bobby. Long time, long time. Um, So I had to pause the pod. Actually, I didn't know it was the end of the pod. Um, Michelle Vachat, Michelle Visage knows who Bruce Springsteen is. And she famously hates him. She said it in a couple of different places that she doesn't think he has any voice, and that she hates his music. But Michelle Massage was also in the band Seduction, and or not band, but like group Seduction in the 90s, and she was the lead vocalist on that 90s version of It's Gonna Be a Lovely Day that was on the Bodyguard soundtrack. So I bet... Bruce Springsteen knows who she is. She was also a radio DJ in New York for a really long time. So she probably, like, has talked to him a couple of times. So anyway, crunch, crunch. When I was editing that, I did find evidence that she hates him because I was Googling a little bit more. Um, But the point of those I don't know her is they're supposed to be kind of blind. Like, we're not supposed to be able to really Google. Like, the idea is supposed to be, like, Mm -hmm. you reason your way out of the problem. It would be easy if you could just Google. Anyways, Michelle Visage on March uh, March 6, 2014, wrote a blog post called Um, No, Bruce, and then wrote, I'm a proud Jersey girl, but I'm also one of the Jerseyans who is not and never will be a Bruce Springsteen fan. The boss was in Auckland NZ, Lord's hometown, and he opened the show with his version of Royals. This is shit. There, I said it. I know Bruce fans will attack, but I am certain we don't share the same fans. <laughs> Stick with Glory Days and Born in the USA. <laughs> it's just funny because this was when Michelle was blogging, I guess, like, because 2000, 2014 makes sense. She was regularly blogging and she uh, wrote that she hated the boss. And I think part of that is also just being from New Jersey. That's a big pressure to love the boss. And she said, mm-hmm. no. And so when you don't, it becomes a personality trait. Like, I don't necessarily, no, I don't, it's not even necessarily, I don't like Bruce Springsteen, but like, that doesn't mean anything to anyone else for me not liking Bruce Springsteen. Who cares? Right. But if you're Michelle Visage, people are like, oh, you're from Jersey. What do you think of the boss? You're like, shut up. Like in The Guardian, she said under, these were different songs, the song I pretend to hate that I secretly like, Jersey Girl by Bruce Springsteen. I hate Bruce Springsteen because he has no voice. Every person in New Jersey is going to hate me. When I was growing up, Bruce Springsteen was shoved down my throat and I was like, this guy cannot sing. But when Jersey Girl comes on, I secretly love that. Okay, so... She's got a weakness for a song called Jersey Girl. Do you know what I think an equivalent of this is for me? Maybe there's equivalent for Massachusetts. But if my thing was telling people that I hated Selena, you know, just like absolutely. Because I almost thought George Strait, but like not everyone likes country music. Selena is such a like ubiquitously beloved cultural figure. For Boston, it would be um, Sweet Caroline, the song, (laughs) because that's the song that they play at Fenway Park. So they play so that's like a big Boston song. So if you hated God. that, if you were like, I hate that song, which a lot of people don't like that song because it's annoying. 
when I tell you there's nothing worse than a group of white people going, ba, ba, ba. I'm, I'm yeah, serious. Well, there's nothing worse than a group of five to 30,000 white people going, ba, 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 in unison. I hate, to it. I hate it. Go to a baseball game at Fenway Park. Go to a no. bar in Fenway. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, no. Sorry, no. All right, moving on. Springtime vibes are in the air, and when I bring in some beautiful flowers that are blooming, I want to smell them, not the litter box. And I can, thanks to Pretty Litter. I'm going to correct this ad because I didn't bring any flowers in, but you know what I did cook yesterday? A big pot of beans. It smelled delicious in my apartment. It smelled like all the yummy stuff I was cooking, and it didn't smell like cat poo-poo or cat pee-pee because I used Pretty Litter. You're saying springtime vibes are in the air, and when I cook a big pot of beans, <laughs> I'd rather I want to smell beans. them, yes. not the litter box. I'd rather okay, smell beans great. than flour. I'm trying to personalize I don't think it. Pretty Litter would mind you correcting their intro with your own personal endorsement, which is yes. that you want to smell your beans. Yes. Delicious, fragrant beans with bay leaves and garlic and onion. This is all to say that nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odor. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, it's low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. So I know that when people come over to my apartment, they're going to be smelling whatever I'm cooking, whatever's in the air, you know, like whatever candle I lit, they're not going to smell what's in the litter box because it soaks it all up. Plus, the crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illness in my cat, like UTIs, kidney issues, and more. So when the colors change, you can tell your vet what happened so they know what to look for. And if that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to my door. I never run out. I don't have kitty litter bags taking up a lot of space in my little apartment. Go to prettylitter.com slash who to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash who to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Prettylitter.com slash who. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I was in Florida this past weekend and guess what was... The talk of the town. Your mom's aura frame? The aura frame. The aura frame kept, it was scrolling through every photo. I was like, oh, oh, there's that. Oh, there's that. Oh, there. I'm like, where'd they get that photo? There's always a photo where I'm like, where'd they get that photo? How'd they get that photo? I don't know where my mom gets the gifts that she sends me. Like when she <laughs> sends me a text gift, I'm like, where did you find that? And sometimes I look at her aura frame and I'm like, where did you download this? No, I'm like, where did you get this photo from? Whose Instagram did you steal this photo off of? You know? They love to steal from, and they love to just screenshot and not yeah. crop. So it'll just oh. be like a cropped iPhone It'll just be photo a full that's Instagram. on the Aura frame. They exactly, with comments and everything. It'll just be on. <laughs> It'll be zoomed in sometimes, so it's extra blurry. But you know what? That's how easy it is to get the photos on the Aura frame because my parents can figure out how to do it. Do they do yes. it well? No, but do they do it? Yes. And the other thing that's great about Aura frames, when you give them to your mom, your mother, a mother in your life, a mother mm -hmm. figure, it's a great Mother's Day gift, whoever the mother in your life is. You can connect it to your oh, yeah. Aura app. And, and you, you can, can just photos. send them photos. You right. can, if they approve it, you can just put photos and kind of troll them and have fun and put random photos. I do it to Lindsay sometimes. Yeah, he does. Um, you can do it to your mom. My mom gave me access because she likes putting you gotta be careful. photos. You got to be careful. a little careful with that, but you, you, should, you could do it, but you should do it. You got to be a little bit careful. But <laughs> Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected and they come with unlimited storage because it's all in the cloud. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to mom's frame. Not only will she be grateful, it's not another sweater. She'll love that an Aura frame means she gets to see more of you. So right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code WHO at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. My Gen Z sister just sent me a TikTok of someone accusing Anthony Ramos of Hamilton fame and in the Heights, into the Heights, whatever. 
of cheating on his fiance a couple of weeks before the wedding. I know you've talked about this couple before, but what is with these rumors? Should I be concerned? Thank you. Crunch, crunch. I mean, the rumors, they did break up, right? The rumors were true or the rumors were somewhat validated when they announced that they were breaking up. Yeah, they officially broke up. That was like they got their official statements sent to people, etc. And it's real, which I guess is it's news because he is a burgeoning them, maybe arguable them. Both of them are definitely theater them mm-hmm. is because of Hamilton. Um, I think mm-hmm. In the Heights wasn't the humongous hit that everyone hoped it would be, but he's in a million movies coming up. So the fact that he's going to be a them is kind of inarguable at this point. But like when I saw that they broke up, I was sort of like, oh, right, they were together. That's that sucks. But the TikTok narrative hadn't reached my FYP yet. And now it's fully everywhere. And the rumor is that Anthony Ramos was spotted at a strip club, which is not the point. He was with another woman and they were like making Making out. out. Here's my like guess from this. I don't think a rumor on TikTok that's reenacted by a random woman, like a blind, would make two people break up. But if there had been other issues or suspicions in the past of infidelity, like some other kind of moment where this maybe was a thing, something like this might confirm that Mm -hmm. suspicion. It might confirm kind of feeling shitty and being like, fuck this, I'm leaving. Don't you think? Yeah. That's That's my guess because it felt like it felt like it went from rumor to they're broken up so fast that it almost felt like she heard like wind of it and was like, yo, fuck this. This is too much. Like yeah. I've already like th- we've already been through this like enough already. It's like Bridget Moynihan suspected that Big was cheating, but she didn't get confirmation until she walked into the apartment and saw Carrie running out the back exit. You know, like the TikTok sure. is Carrie running out the back exit. We just hope that Jasmine F.S. Jones didn't break That's her a little. Tooth. It's a little more of a of a of a of example of evidence. I just think it's sad because it's like in my mind, my celebrity mind, I'm like, if he's gonna get just more and more famous, it really would have been nice to have like a supportive in the business wife with him alongside him, like supporting mm-hmm. him and like also becoming famous at the same time. You know what I mean? Instead of like now he has to be like single guy, famous guy, which always like destroys your brain, you know. If you'll recall, the last time we talked about Jasmine Cephas Jones and Anthony Ramos was when In the Heights came out. And someone called and said, are Jasmine Cephas Jones and Anthony Ramos still together? Multiple people did. We played one of the calls and we were like, yes, they're still together. The proof is they were canoodling and they went to the In the Heights premiere together and were like fully loved up, arm in arm, posing. They were fully a couple. They were engaged, engagement rings on. But I realized now in hindsight that the reason people were calling these Broadway people who are huge fans of Anthony Ramos and like really observing his Instagram and Jasmine's Instagram is that they weren't posting photos together. So someone else called and was like, when you scroll through their Instagram grids, it's peppered with the occasional birthday message or like, oh, Anthony's album is coming out today. Like, that's it. You don't really get a sense that they are publicly like showing off their relationship the way they did back when they got engaged. And so I think that like, that really does lead me to believe that this was already in the cards. This was already going to happen. It makes me think of, honestly, Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello. Maybe a lot of this had to do with the movie promo cycle, where it was like, we're staying together for the movie. Maybe Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello were staying together for Cinderella, and then everything got bumped. 
And so they were like, fuck, we have to stay together for another year if we're going to make this promo cycle work. Maybe the same thing happened within the Heights. It's just making me second guess their 2020 relationship performance. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think there were cracks in the, you know, there were cracks in the, what do you call it? There were cracks, cracks in, in the, the veneer. Yeah, there were cracks in the veneer. <laughs> there were, there were uh, cracks, cracks in, the, in thing. the veneer. There were cracks in the veneer. This TikTok person, their name is Jane, and they do this weird bit, which I actually find so strange, but it clearly is a recipe for virality. What they do is they take blinds and they take gossip and rumors, and then they act them out. Like, they're clearly, they give off the most theater person, theater kid energy of all time. They perform the stories. That's so confusing to me. That's so confusing. It makes it look like Jane the TikToker, is the person who experienced this. And she is reenacting this experience that she had. But no, she's reenacting, as far as I can tell, the stories that are sent to her via TikTok DM or other, you know, sources. Which is such a weird new way of doing blinds and gossip, right? Like, I'm sort of, like, impressed by it. It's very, you know what it reminds me of? The, what were the, um... (laughs) Remember when the they were very viral a few years ago? There was that like um, Asian kind of animation company that made reenactments of like scandalous moments. In 3D. And they were always like they were yeah. always like very funny. I forget what yeah. they were called, but like that was like a huge thing for a while. It was called Next Media Animation, and yes, thank uh, you. A pan Asian company started in Hong Kong by Jimmy Lai, an entrepreneur who once sold T-shirts honoring student leaders during the Tiananmen Square protests in 1989 in the Giordano clothing chain, Hong Kong's answer to Gap. In Asia, the next clips depict anything from serial killers to tawdry murder cases, but it is the yeah, use yeah, of Western yeah. politicians and celebrities that has seen its video game-like cartoons appearing everywhere from Newsnight to CNN. Yeah, they're like, they're right. tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. They're like funny. The funniest thing about this blind is that she didn't even really do do a good job of blinding it because in the story that she tells, the the stripper who sees Mm -hmm. them there recognizes him and says, who is that? And looks him up and then looks up the fact that he's engaged and and the the woman in the blinds pulls up a fake phone and has a people article that says blank calls blank fiance blank his rock i'm eternally grateful for her blank proposed to blank in 2018 while they met while starring in blank and it's like this is not hard to find you google i'm eternally grateful for her and you come up with anthony ramos calls fiance jasmine cephas jones his rock i'm eternally grateful for her and it's like from a people article it's like literally from a people article it's not that hard to find. Oh, a true blind is like doing the Sunday New York Times crossword. This version of the blinds is like an airport word search book. You know, like this is the easiest blind. It's like blind a People magazine seen. crossword puzzle. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Better better comparison. And then people kind of were just, I mean, I'll end this. I think we should end this on this. She was spotted like a few days after this at Marie's Crisis, which is really interesting. I do think a lot of people were going to Marie's Crisis since Stephen Sondheim died. There were like different, definitely a lot of tributes there. So it might have been part of that. I think it was part of maybe some sort of like she was she's in the cast for that show, like Moonlighting or Sunspotting, Sun, Moon, Sunspot, Moonspot. Blind spotting. Blind spotting. And she sang the song My Man from Funny Girl, which is kind of says everything it needs to say, like in itself. If you know about like the, the movie, fun, the movie, the musical, the movie Funny Girl starring Barbara Streisand. I didn't. I, I didn't. I've never seen Funny Girl, which is, I guess, a problem. But 
Lindsay explained to me that it is a... You have to see Funny Girl. I know. Everyone oh loves Funny God, Girl. Oh my God, it's so I good. I know. It's so good. I mean, it's just about, you know, she gets kind of emotionally abused by this guy and he mm-hmm. just can't make up his mind. And, okay. you know, he's got lots of other girlies on the side. Getting dumped and then going to Marie's Crisis and singing a song about cheating yeah. from Funny Girl is the most theater person thing ever. And I honestly love it. You love it. That's what you want yeah. from celebrities, which is sort of this awful thing to say. But it's the final song that they sing in Funny Girl. It's the la- it's the finale song after he leaves. After he leaves, he calls her his Funny Girl, and she sings "My Man." Hi, Lindsay Bobby. We just want to know who Charlie Crockett is because he just saw he had like a sold out show or something in San Francisco. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, Scar Joe Pizza Roll, fell in his seat, Godspeed. Oh, I did it wrong. <laughs> I love when somebody calls, you can clear just to call, like just to do the sign. That was just a call. It's like, we saw a sold out show. We walked by it. Who is this person? Anyway, Scar Joe Pizza Roll. <laughs> Just cracking up, just cracking up. Yeah, Charlie Crockett is on tour now, playing all over the place. That He's going everywhere. The only thing worth knowing about Charlie Crockett is if you see his name and you're like, is he related to Davy Crockett? The, the answer is yes, distantly. And that's literally kind of all you need to know aside from he's a musician. And that's it. What I love about saying that you're related to Davy Crockett is that, first of all, I do believe it, but fucking prove it absolutely unprovable he's his he his whole thing is like i'm not a traditional country star and i do think that we're kind of a little bit like at the point where i'm not sure anyone is is surprising anyone by being quote a not a traditional country star even though Mm -hmm. country radio is still really homogenous like it's an interesting line to sell yourself on because now we Mm -hmm. have like a lot of non-traditional looking country stars and by traditional you mean white so that's like really the thing Mm -hmm. right white straight which is why the what's his name uh owen Owen? Owen? Oh, you're talking about, um, what's his face? Orville. <laughs> Orville Peck. Owen? Owen. Orville Peck was not a traditional country star because he's gay. Everyone else is not a traditional country star because they're black. And it's like, wow, not traditional country star. And Jimmy Allen did win Best New Artist. But the radio is still mostly white people. You know, like, the, the radio is still mostly white people playing the same shit. But it's interesting because when you hear hear the music it's all the very it's all the same sounding anyways no matter who is singing it which i find interesting because then you would argue that non-traditional country music would be um lil nas x coming onto the Mm -hmm. radio charts but now he's kind of off the country radio charts so that that would be the moment of sounding different this is looking different so yeah uh, that's just charlie crockett he's He's of mixed black Cajun and Creole and Jewish heritage. So he that's his like, he's like, I'm not like, you know, everyone else in this industry. Not country, not country, not country, not country. Right. <laughs> like the whole thing is like, but nope, nope, is, nope, nope, which is cool. But the, the crazy thing is not only does he sound like country, he sounds like old school country. He sounds yeah. like Grand Ole Opry country. So it's like almost funny for him to be like, I don't look like traditional country. But what I sound like is the oldest country tradition there ever there was, you know, one of them. The irony of this. Is- I was going to comment when you said that he sounds like country, 
he does sound like country, but he doesn't sound like radio country, contemporary country. No. He sounds like Hank no. Williams country or right. older. Because sometimes when you try to imitate an older type of sound, it just comes across as feeling like too much like a performance and inauthentic. His voice sounds so naturally old. It's I'll, I'll play clips right. of it here. Tell me, tell me, darling, who's gonna help you carry the load? I know you're leaving. You say it's best I be traveling on. Many times I acted foolish when I really was just afraid. And all of my good times would up and walk away. Because I would argue that while I like Orville Peck, I think sometimes it feels like a performance piece. Yes. This it doesn't, doesn't help that he wears a mask. <laughs> no. Right. Everything about Orville Peck, like, I think it's very cool. Like, yes, like, throw more gay people into country music. But you kind of get the sense that Orville Peck doesn't really want to be a country star, that he wants to be a pop star, <laughs> that he wants to be a crossover musician. Yeah. But I think yeah. with, Char- with Charlie Crockett, this guy's country like everything about him is country and i i think that's sort of what sets him apart this is one of those things where he's not that he's not that new he's got mm-hmm. eight albums under his belt in and six years I, I it's interesting that if you're out of the country world you might not have heard of him even if you're in the country world you might not have heard of him and yet he's he's able to sell out a show in san francisco and that's great you know uh- a guy from South, 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 South Texas, like the most rural, one of the most rural parts of Texas, selling at a show in San Francisco is huge. Moving on. Hi, Hui Hui. Um, medium time, medium time. You are probably getting a lot of calls about this, but Vogue Weddings just posted um, pictures from someone named Lauren Perez's wedding, and it is the wildest thing because her two of her bridesmaids are Bella Hadid and Kendall Jenner and it is just so otherworldly to see them in regular old bridesmaid dresses and like obviously these are chic and they're blue silk and they're probably a step above your traditional you know J. Crew wedding bridesmaid gown but still they're just in basic all the girls wearing the same exact gown looks it's like seeing them in a whole nother world in space. But I digress because we're not here to talk about them, like Bella and Kendall. My question is, who is Lauren Perez? I mean, I did a little bit of digging on Instagram, and by that I mean at least 10 solid minutes, and I still don't know who this person is at all. I guess I could Google, but that's why I'm turning to the experts. Thanks so much. Crunch, crunch. I mean, it is absolutely fascinating. You're right to see this photo. I don't really need to read or see anything else. I mean, we will. But it's crazy to see a photo in which you have this woman getting married with these bridesmaids. And on either side flanked on the ends, you have Kendall Jenner and Bella Hadid because they just look like if if they weren't famous, these are just two girlies. These are my two, two friends from my high school. My two really pretty like, friends from high school. <laughs> and also, not to be rude, I'm sorry, but if you're – bridesmaid dress looks bad on Kendall Jenner and Bella Hadid that is the most awful dress these girls get paid to make clothing that doesn't fit a normal person look amazing and they look awful in this dress I mean this dress is I mean the dresses are the most unflattering dresses in the whole entire world her her wedding dress is is pretty it's just oh my god the 
and I'm not again not a fashion expert, but the hem on the side, the the way that the dress comes together, the way that it fits across the top, uh, it's Kendall so like ugly it's been, and unflattering. It has a looks like it has a um, piece of stretchy like a stretchy piece of fabric across. Uh-huh. Like it just they look. I mean, it's shocking how bad that these supermodels look in these dresses. I mean, it is it is the stereotype, right? It's the bridezilla stereotype where it's like, I'm going to look amazing and I'm going to make my pretty friends, all five of my pretty friends, look, look like bad. <laughs> and it will make me look better. And guess what? It fucking worked. That has to be what happened. And this also, this stuff, the moment they walk around for six seconds, those dresses are going to be so fucking wrinkled. You know they were steaming out the wazoo before they were taking these photos. Okay, I'm just saying, you know that Lauren Perez, this evil genius, said, (laughs) I have these two supermodels as bridesmaids, and how do I make them look crappy? I'm going to have to work at this because they cannot outshine me on my wedding day. And And she worked at this. The chances were they would have. I mean, they're both beautiful, and they're both, they model for a living. But you know what shout out to lauren perez she looks the best but you know what happened is after the ceremony everyone got to change so if you scroll down you see bella's in a very classic well, what bella wears now of course like a print and then kendall's in the dress that everyone got mad at where it was like kendall tried to steal the show from her friend she wore this crazy sexy well, cutout dress now... and it's like what do you expect Good. I'm glad she changed. Now I understand why she wore the second dress was because the first dress was so awful that she said, the only way I'm getting out of this alive is if I wear this second dress that's so fully hot and outrageous uh-huh. that nobody will forget this dress because they. I hope that they'll forget the other dress. So this woman, though, what's really funny about this Vogue article is it mentions the famous people in it, but doesn't get into like how they know each other. Like it doesn't even uh-huh. touch that. It just assumes that they're there and that's normal. But like, who? how are they there? Lauren is friends with Kylie and Kendall. So when you look up old stuff, it's like she was closer. She was close with both of them, but Kylie wasn't at this wedding. Only Kendall was. But when you're friends with them, you're also friends with all the other supermodels, a.k.a. Bella Hadid and Hailey Bieber. Because this woman isn't even... I did my damnedest to see if this woman had like a father who was a lawyer or or a mother who was a model and there was some sort of connection. Her parents seem like painfully normal based on everything she's posted them about posted about them. I think it's maybe maybe I couldn't even find that confirmed because there was one thing where it was like a Mother's Day post about her mom being like shout out to my mom for being like a working mom and having five kids and still taking care of us or something like there were signifiers that there wasn't wealth you know like so I was like huh maybe it's truly just they met in LA early on in the careers of these young did she just grow up in where they grew up? Did she meet them growing up? Like, did she meet, which, did she grow up in Calabasas? She was born in California, but I couldn't find whether or not she's known okay. these women since they were all young. I'm, I'm going to make a very educated guess to say they grew up together or that they went to call high school together because it feels very much like the kind of friend you know from seeing these dresses, seeing the setup. I mm-hmm. think they knew each other in high school. Just my yeah. guess. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but I'm okay Maybe. with that. So... I couldn't find much about her parents. So I was like, well, I got to find something about this other person. And I don't know what it was about these two that made me think, like, there has to be something interesting here. Because there isn't always something interesting here. Fun fact, there isn't always something interesting here. I kind of feel like there might not be. Right. There was something about this guy that she married that screamed, my parents have an interesting secret. David Waltzer. And he's referred to in Vogue as an executive and partner at Electric Feel Entertainment. They work with 
artists and it's like we do managing we do production and um we do promotion for like up and coming musical talent post malone is one of their artists that they manage 24 karat golden 24k golden is one of the artists that they manage buddy is one of their big ones and i was like okay so he's from new york i think but where in New York is he from? Is he a Manhattan boy? Is he like, you know, did he grow up upstate? What's the deal? Long Island? No information on his Instagram. No information on the internet where it's like, not much is known about David Waltzer's family. So I go to Lauren's Instagram and I'm like, okay, maybe there's some sort of biographical data that she has posted on a birthday post, or maybe it was an anniversary post. She refers to him as an Oyster Bay legend. And I was like, okay, so he's from Long Island. He's from Oyster Bay, Long Island. He's a New York kid. Cool. That's true. So I look up Oyster Bay. All this stuff is public. It was very easy for me to find this crap. I find the house he grew up in in Oyster Bay. Very beautiful home. Then I find his parents' names, Paul and Georgia. Okay? Paul and Georgia. And I'm like, well, what do Paul okay. and Georgia do? I got to find something that Paul and Georgia do. Okay. We can't find much about Georgia. Paul Waltzer, when you search him, there's a lot of Paul Waltzers. Not too many, but enough to get confusing and enough that could be sort of like the right age to be this guy's father. I do want a little bit more digging. David Waltzer, Oyster Bay. I find out that he graduated from high school in 2006, which confirms the rumors or the unconfirmed reports that he was 33 years old. Okay, that makes sense. So he's 33 years old. His parents could potentially be between, you know, I would guess between 50 and 70, right? Who knows? Okay. I find a Paul Waltzer. It's about... 60 something okay this works Uh-oh. has addresses in oyster bay one of them actually Is matches the one worth whatever i think so Lindsay. and i oh, no. find these photos um at some events and they're small but let me send them to you Lindsay. they're small but this will make sense when you look at them and he's at like ribbon cutting ceremonies a lot of them and like check donation ceremonies and they're all based okay. in long island or um uh, Queens or Brooklyn. There was one in New Jersey. Um, no, it wasn't in New Jersey. There's one. These are small photos. Yeah, I think that's These the, are the same, same guy. guy. He's wearing the same glasses. Kind of a, a okay. tall, thin, white man who always wears a blazer and wears a dress shirt not buttoned at the top. No tie. This guy doesn't wear ties. And so it was so hard for me to find confirmation that this guy was actually David's dad. And then I was like, wait a second. Lauren's Vogue article. Maybe there will be a photo of the parents of the groom and turns out there was and i realized that that's absolutely the same guy who's in the photos that i found look same blazer doesn't wear a tie keeps it unbuttoned and flared just like this guy same horn-rimmed glasses okay so you this is definitely him. The okay, same this is guy. the same guy Lindsay, do you want to know what this guy fucking does here's the reveal what does this guy fucking do he's the chairman of metro franchising commissary llc Lindsay, do you know what this guy owns what what does this guy own? 110 Dunkin' Donuts in the greater New York City area. <laughs> he is a Dunkin' Donuts fucking magnate. 110. Lindsay, Wait, he... feel is so stupid. He owns, he built the largest Dunkin' Donuts Baskin Robbins franchise network in the New York yes! market. Yes, my and team. And it's the it's the largest DD slash BR combo operator in the country. So you're telling me you calling it's it's we call it Dido B Row. <laughs> Dido, Dido and B Row. Dido and B Row. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me that Lauren Perez married into a Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts, Donuts empire. Empire. Yes, yes, that's exactly what that I'm telling you. That girlie is gonna inherit 
110 Dunkin' Donuts in the greater New York area. Well, wow. he has a partner who I think probably will get some of it too. But yeah, she okay, stands no. to inherit quite a few Dunkin' franchises. <laughs> wow. Incredible That's work. pretty good. That's pretty good. Apparently their company also owns a few Nathan's locations, but that's not interesting. <laughs> okay, no. I only care about D-Row and B-Row. <laughs> D-Row and B-Row, yeah. Duncan Doe and Baskin Row. B-Row. What a journey. And it's funny because this outcome would mean nothing to anyone else. Like, Yeah, but it means something to you and me. You found the money is what you're... You I, found the money. I found the money. You always have to look for the money and I found the money. Okay, next call. <laughs> Hey, Lindsay Bobby. Um, I called a couple of weeks ago asking you to F. Murray kill the Please Don't Destroy um, boys on Saturday Night Live. I know, very unhinged. But I recently discovered that one of those members, his name is John Higgins, um, and he is the son of Steve Higgins. Um, the announcer for The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and also, I guess, he's like a writer and producer of SNL. Um, so, you know, nepotism alert. Um, yeah, want to know more about that? Let me know, I guess. Um, grateful for Sharna, grateful for you both. You're amazing. Um, crunch, crunch. Okay, bye. So the Please Don't Destroy Boys appeared virally on Twitter earlier this year. And the turnaround from them going virally on Twitter to literally joining the cast of SNL was so quick that I was like, wow, I'm actually impressed with this. Do you know what I mean? Like with this, the speed. And I mean, I'm not, I'm sure they've yeah. been, but now it kind of reveals that they didn't just go viral and get hired by SNL. There were obviously some behind the scenes mechanisms going on mm -hmm. as to how Lauren Michaels would have heard of this, this comedy duo or trio on Twitter. It's because one of them is literally the son of a former SNL writer. You know what I mean? Who mm -hmm. still works in comedy. He's like, he's the, he's on the Fallon show. He's on the Today mm -hmm. Show. Well, one of them is he was a he's the announcer. He's the guy who like is yeah, Steve on Higgins. camera too. And then the other one, Martin, is the son of a former SNL head writer who was also Adam Sandler's college roommate, aka oh, wrote he Billy wrote a Madison. ton of Adam Sandler he movies. He wrote a ton yeah. of Adam Sandler movies. Like his movies, the Wikipedia entry yeah. for this guy, Tim Hurley, he's really funny. Is like his movies have grossed a combined like three billion dollars worldwide or something. Movies that he's co-written. It's so funny because like the the nepotism argument is such a funny like. I've come to the point where it doesn't, it, it just enlightens me. It doesn't like bother me because then I yeah. kind of think about like, how does somebody it's get into comedy? Yeah. It's like, well, you know, to pursue these things as a career, it certainly helps that you're surrounded by it constantly as a kid and you see it as a viable job option. So you're just like mm -hmm. plugging away and obviously that you have money and da da da. So I'm not like so, you know, I'm, I'm not, not scandalized. As, like, yeah, I'm not like as scandalized. I'm just like, oh, this makes sense now, this viral turnaround because, you know, SNL famously, like sometimes they hire people who are vaguely viral or like kind of have an internet thing. But a lot of times they kind of don't, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like you don't see a ton of those front-facing comedians joining SNL. I think they'd love to, but well, it's I think they'd less, be great. It's, yeah, and I think they'd be great, but it's less of a pipeline that is familiar. Because plenty of people are talented, plenty of people are hilarious, but if you're hilarious, and I do think that these guys are really funny. like They're really funny. 
Well, also, who didn't love the Lonely Island? And I think this is kind of in the this is like Lonely Island's grandson, you know, not mm-hmm. grandson, but like it's it's a that, that makes it sound like they're so much older. But I'm just saying it's the they're related to like this is of the if this is of the same family as kind of that style of sketch. Right. Yeah. Like it's a little bit more low budget vibes than them. But like they mm-hmm. just did a music video sketch the other With Taylor week and Swift, it was funny. Yeah. Right. So it's like it's interesting the evolution of like the short that's like what their thing is the short you know yeah as irritating as it is to know that like so many people who sort of came to the fore during the pandemic on twitter would have been good at this (laughs) it's just simply not surprising that of course it went to people who have connections in the building like any number of people who were hilarious could have taken this job and been amazing at it there's a profile of them in Vulture from, I want to say, from July. So it's a little early in terms of, like, the con- the public knowing who they are, like, that they exist. And he wrote, they wrote, um, this is written by Rebecca Alter. Uh, and so in the piece it says, the please don't destroy guys acknowledge that, quote, it's a caveat of this entire conversation. Marshall says, we went to NYU and we are not drowning in debt. We are very privileged and have access to what we've had access mm-hmm. to. Although Hurley, he doesn't want to bring up himself. His father is Adam Sandler's collaborator, Tim Hurley, who wrote The Wedding Singer, Happy Gilmore, and many others. Martin was recently credited as Teen Zombie in the film Hubie Halloween, which his father co-wrote with Sandler. Quote, mm-hmm. hope my star-making turn as teenage zombie will be a huge part of this piece Hurley he writes to me when I email him to confirm the connection I mean I think they all know yeah fucking suck it up like people are gonna talk about it deal with it you're funny and people like you like right whatever it's extremely frustrating but at at least at least there's nothing worse than nepotism when they're not talented at least this is nepotism where they are pretty funny like they match the snl vibe perfectly but is that surprising when their dads are snl people i guess not well that's the whole thing with nepotism it would be four times more annoying if they sucked and so it's four times less annoying that they don't so there you go it's like oops we stand dakota johnson even though (laughs) even though she's like third generation nepotism but like well she's amazing what can I say? What can yeah, I say? Yeah. Uh, hi there. Um, I'm calling one. I just wanted to say that uh, listening to y'all um, discuss the who to themness of heaven and hell was l- literally highlight of my week. But okay, I was calling because I wanted to ask uh, Mitski, who are them? I think I know the answer here. She's a who. However, I do believe that this next album is going to. Uh, actually make her pretty zimmy and i think she's gonna hate it uh it's really double-edged sword here for or or double-edged knife (laughs) get it um anyway thank you for everything you do um crunch crunch i think this caller is so is so right like mitski needs to be niche you know i almost i almost feel that way about charlie too even though it seems like charlie really wants to be super super famous but it's like what's this gonna do to mitski when she gets like the Vogue cover and every sort of profile you could possibly get in like New York Times styles and everyone's talking about this album and it gets a 10 on Pitchfork, you know, like what's that going to do to Mitski? I mean, this caller is thinking that Mitski's going to blow up. I'm not sure. I don't know. Mitski had a big hit a few years ago and it was fantastic and did well, but I don't, it didn't blow her up. But Mitski, who are them now? One, two, three, who? Who? Yeah. Mitski, who? Her next album is called Laurel Hell. It does come out next year. I will tell you one thing. The single she released, like, after many years without releasing music, didn't break the internet. So. Uh-huh. Right. It didn't break the internet. Hey, Bobby and Lindsay. Um, long time, long time. Um, 
I'm just looking at Twitter and I see Hunter Harris tweet that she's obsessed with this thing and I look and it's a link to cutouts of a Vanity Fair article about Adam McKay. Now isn't Adam McKay a who are them? I know that he has an Oscar buzz and yada yada, but I still think he mostly because his name is so very, very generic, I think that he might be a who, so I'm calling the who line and not the VIP line. So, you know, you can agree with me or not. Um, Will Ferrell is definitely a them. Um, I think he's still a them. I think he's undeniably a them. Um, But it's all about, like, she was, her tweet was pointing to two um, screenshots of the article about how, oh, sorry, that's my dog. Um, Do me! Um, <laughs> sorry. Well, this is horrible. Anyway, uh, just about how his his relationship with Will Ferrell ended, and um, it ended really badly, and I just, this is fascinating to me as well. So if you guys want to talk about um, big friendship blow-ups in Hollywood, this is a big one. Okay, sorry about all the interruptions. I love you guys so much. Um, crunch, crunch. Uh me in Greece, maybe someday. Bye. Did you see this? This is so I didn't weird. even know that this happened. Adam McKay was profiled in Vanity Fair, I guess, because he's promoting the the Netflix Don't, uh, look, Don't up. look Up, the Netflix one with Jennifer Lawrence, mm. etc. And the pull quote that got coverage everywhere was this story that he told about Will Ferrell. So back in 2019 he and will ferrell split like their company broke up and they were like we're each gonna do our own thing and they were like even in the 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 coverage from 2019 it was like i'm told they remain close friends but it is expected that their paramount based production labels will wind down over time and it turns out that like what happened between them was actually pretty fraught and the weird thing and i think the reason that everyone's responding to this the way they are is because it's it's sort of like, why are you saying this? What had happened was Adam McKay was doing a show about like a basketball team called based on a book called Showtime. And he was going to cast a coach. And Will Ferrell thought that he was going to be cast as the coach. But Adam McKay always wanted someone else because this coach doesn't didn't act or look anything like Will Ferrell. And so he goes, we love Will Ferrell, but we can't see him doing it. It was a bit of a hard discussion. The person McKay wanted was John C. Riley, who looks more like the wheel thing and who is Will Ferrell's best friend. McKay hesitated, quote, didn't want to hurt his feelings, he says flatly, wanted to be respectful. Riley gets the role, but he doesn't tell Will Ferrell that he's not giving it to him. So Ferrell gets mad. That's weird because if they produce this together, wouldn't Will Ferrell also be in on these conversations? Like it impl- this says that they produced it together, the show. That's what makes it weirder. So it says, it's weird. he goes, I should have called him up and I didn't, says McKay. And Riley did, of course, because Riley is a stand-up guy. So when Riley got the job, he calls Will Ferrell and Will Ferrell's like, what are you talking about? And listen to this. And he goes... The statement said the two of us will always work together and be friends, quote, but it wasn't true. The last time they talked was a curt phone conversation agreeing to break up. This is Adam saying this, quote, I said, well, I mean, we're splitting up the company, recounts McKay. And he was basically mm. like, yeah, we are. And basically was like, have a good life. And I'm like, fuck, Farrell's never going to talk to me again. So it ended not well. Farrell didn't comment. This is really juicy and sad. And why are you telling people this? Does he want to get Farrell's attention? Does he want to get his attention and like apologize publicly? Like this is, is this his like... I don't know, mea culpa or whatever. Like, I mean, this might be 
what he's trying to do is like then get people to ask Will Ferrell about it so Will Ferrell can't like be mad at him anymore in like the like this is kind of a shitty way to do this because like now he's gonna yeah. be even more angry because he's like now that you've said this in the public now we both have to like answer to it or whatever you know yeah yeah and it's such a specific complaint but Adam McKay who were them uh, one two three them huh? them <laughs> wow Ugh. I really don't know about this one, and this is actually they sell movies me. based on his name, so I kind of feel like he's a them. Yeah, but I feel like Adam McKay still to me is <laughs> he's the type of guy. He's the type of person, the director you sell by referring to him as the guy, like from the guy who brought you The Big Short, from the guy who brought you Step Brothers, you know, from the guy who brought you Succession. I mean, true. Okay, you're not wrong on that. <laughs> he has a very themy pedigree, but I like I forgot what he looked like when I clicked the thing. Yeah, I mean, without Adam McKay, Will Ferrell, I don't think would have had like a post SNL career as big as he did. So I bet Will Ferrell would even agree with that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know that I fully think about him all the time, and when I do think about him, it's like. Oh, he's Will Ferrell's creative partner. And I guess like okay, being so partners with someone who's way more famous than you broadly mm. just makes you seem like a who in comparison. Will Maybe he is a them though. Any more. <laughs> Hi Lindsay Bobby. Is Red Notice the whoiest oh shoot, no. Is it the zemiest who movie? Oh my gosh. No. You know what? I'm gonna hang up. I'm going to reassess. I'll call back. Bye. It's <laughs> so and then funny. They call, they call funny. back. They call back. Let's play the second call. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Is Red Notice the hooliest them movie? I've been thinking about this a lot, and all I do is read headlines about this movie, but I could literally care less about it. But also, do I need to see it? I know I don't. I don't care about this film, but it is everywhere, and it is still, like, the most hooey thing to me, even though it stars a bunch of them. Anyways, can you please discuss, maybe not, I don't really, I don't know, I, I just can't, I can't do with this movie anymore. Anyways, really excited to see you in Minneapolis this weekend. Scar Joe Pizza Roll, bye. Is Red Notice the hooeyest them movie? Currently, currently, in recent memory, one, yes. two, three, yes. 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 It's the movie that everyone's watching, but no one's ever seen. It's like incredible. <laughs> it's the phenomenon. It's no one's heard of it, but somehow we've all seen it, you know? And Netflix is like, buckle up, bitches. So many people watch Red Notice. You won't even believe it. One billion people watch Red Notice. It cost us $200 million to make. It was a huge deal for us. And guess what? It paid dividends. Everyone cares about this movie. And yet... You watch it, you're mortified the entire time you're watching it. Yes, Lindsay and I have watched this. We watched this together. It is awful. And despite how terrible it is, actively terrible. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. One of the ugliest movies I've ever seen. One of the least funny movies. One of the dumbest movies I've ever seen. I kind of forgot about it the moment it ended. Okay, wait. Do you know what I do remember about it? That you kept yelling about, actually, that was funny. It's like they're looking for Cleopatra's eggs. And it's like not Cleo. Like, it's, those aren't real things. They're not but real. But in the movie, in the movie, first of all, you're like, no, she didn't freeze her eggs. They're looking for like a very, what's that uh, famous? It's like a Fabergé egg, famous, egg. 
a, it's a Fabergé egg, but they keep calling it Cleopatra's eggs. They're like, there are three. Because Cleopatra had three eggs. Oh, my (laughs) God. They keep saying it like you're supposed to know. Like, they want you just to pretend like it's the... It's the fucking constitution in National Treasure, you know? Yeah. Like, oh it's my just God. This the thing that you know that's valuable. But instead, it's just Theo- Cleopatra had three eggs. <laughs> you kept laughing about that. I mean, it's what's crazy. crazy about watching this movie is how much of it is CGI and like how you can, it, it doesn't care that you know that and it doesn't even care to convince you otherwise because half the people in this movie are not real people. They're just like computer people. They're Sims. As a, wasn't it an insider? Where was this published yesterday? There was an insider story that goes into like the peculiarity of this movie about how it's this huge, alleged massive hit that actually sucks and is quite ugly and cheap, despite being expensive. And the the nugget, the main point of this is that it's this globe trotting movie that was shot in Atlanta because everything was on a soundstage because they had to halt production during COVID. And they were like, we have to finish this in Atlanta and we have to pretend like we're going to Rome and all these places. And when I tell you it doesn't look like they're in all these places, it really doesn't look like they're in all these places. It, nothing has ever been less convincing than the CGI in, in Red Notice. Right. That's right, right. And it's, it's hideous. And I, I think the thing I said to you a few times was like watching a movie like this makes you appreciate like Mission Impossible. Like mm-hmm. for all the shit that we give Tom Cruise for essentially being such like a crazy person and having such a like specific kind of like vision and driven to like do all the stunts and like do this, do that. He, I think that he single-handedly keeps the Mission Impossible movies from becoming this because in the blink of an eye, a studio would turn a Mission Impossible movie into this. They don't give a shit. They said, oh, if computers can do it, that's great. But Tom Cruise is out here begging to drive his motorcycle off a cliff. Please let me do this. The only thing we have in this is Dwayne Johnson looking completely uninterested Gal Gadot being totally the least compelling leading person in in my lifetime, and Ryan Reynolds making the worst one-liners, like the most punch-up bullshit you've ever heard in your life. Like everything's like, oh, like oh, this is more confusing than an NFT. Like I made that up, but it's all like horrible. Like oh, I didn't expect to get my eggs scrambled. Oh, over easy. Like over medium. Like oh, I'm poached. Like it's just like the worst jokes you've ever heard in your Stop life. It's egg jokes. so bad it's so bad it is and bad. yes it and, and netflix is bad. trying to tell us that it's the biggest movie of all fucking time so yes this caller is right it's the whoiest is Demi movie and it's just sad because we talked about this but the guy who wrote and directed it wrote and directed skyscraper which i actually liked and like i thought it had like a fun kind of retro vibe and this is just this movie is an example of all the bad things about modern about modern movies modern action movies it's just Heartless and fake and what is his name? <laughs> Talk about a who? Ross and Marshall Thurber. Sorry, yeah. man. You're a who. He also made weird. We talked about on the pa- which I Sorry, like. We talked about this on the Patreon. Ross and Marshall Thurber. This is the most rural juror ass name I've ever heard in my life. I interviewed him for Playboy once, and he's trying to bring back like freaking like Die Hard, but this movie like did not. I mean, I'm sure you got a bajillion dollars for it, but it is essentially like watching a video game, which is ironic because Ryan Reynolds just made a movie that literally is about a video game. But at least that movie is about a video game. <laughs> this is just supposed to be real life. <laughs> like when you're like, is- that doesn't look convincing. It's like, yeah, because he's in a video game. Yeah. <laughs> um it made me think of it made me think of the morning show season 2 honestly watching no. Red Notice because it's like wow all the money in the world and they have to fake all the backgrounds so it ends up looking like shit. So yes, this was expensive but guess what? It looks hideous. Hi Lindsay Bobby. Rank from who to them. 
Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday. Crunch, crunch. Okay. Who to them? The days of capitalism. (laughs) The cycle of capitalism going from Black Friday to Giving Tuesday. (laughs) Okay. The themiest. Are we doing who to them or them to who? Okay. Who to them? Who to them? Who to them? Okay. Who the whoiest is small, small business, business Saturday. Saturday. It's fucking small so business sorry. Saturday. I'm sorry, I'm small sorry. businesses, we're, but you got the, you business. got the short end of this capitalistic yeah. stick. And we're a small business, so we can say that. That's the whoiest. That's the whoiest one. Then second whoiest, I would argue, is Cyber Monday. Between Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday, I, I think wanna... it's Giving Tuesday. Well, this year Giving Tuesday got a leg up. Let's say the second whoiest is Cyber Monday. Okay, because do you think it's because people were saying it's Giving Tuesday? I think so. But also I think Cyber Monday is less important now because like everything's cyber these days. That's true. Like they invented Cyber Monday to say, oh, now like we're online and like now sales can last longer versus being just in store on Friday. Yeah. But in fact, it became just too much. We don't need both of them. Now we just, we're all I mean, online. Black Friday just assumes the entire weekend essentially or as long as the sale goes. Mm-hmm. Then that takes us to Giving Tuesday as second themiest. It's Giving Tuesday. My argument is that the only reason this is second themiest as opposed to third themiest is because It's Giving Tuesday went viral this year for being like... It's giving. It's giving share. It's giving dots. It's giving... Tuesday. Right? It's giving Tuesday. I don't think that that means... <laughs> Everyone was laughing about It's Giving Tuesday this year. Like, I saw more chatter. <laughs> Do you know that Giving Tuesday was invented in 2012? Just saying. Really? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. I mean, that makes sense. Just, I honestly would have guessed later. I would have guessed the later. The themiest is Black Friday. The origin of this is Black Friday. The the kind of the essence of storming into a Walmart with a bunch of other people to buy like a doll. That's Black Friday, mm-hmm. baby. But yeah, Black Friday, number one themiest. It's giving. It's, it's Giving Tuesday. <laughs> it's Giving Tuesday. It's Giving End of Episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of Who's There. Keep calling in at 619 Who Then Believe questions, comments, and concerns. Support us on patreon.com slash whoweekly for bonus episodes and more. Thank you to Katie and Eric of the Who's for writing our Rita theme song. Thank you to Timmy, our research assistant for researching and assisting. Come see us in Chicago, Minneapolis, Minneapolis this weekend. Chicago, Whoweekly.us. Detroit. Uh, oh, we got to pick woo. the winner. We got to put them in that random we did Generator a contest website. on our Instagram. There's still time to enter for, for a ticket or an upgrade in Detroit. I'm going to pick the winners uh, tonight. Out of a hat or something. On Friday some night. Device. No, you can, there's like a website where you type in, it's like a randomizer and we'll type in all the people. I'm going to add everything. I'm, yeah, I yeah. was going to type. We don't need to do this on the show, but I was going to, I was going to add them all to the database for you today. And then thanks. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye. Uh, Owen. Owen? Owen? Oh, you're talking about, um, what's his face? Orville. <laughs> Hi, guys. I was listening to the – I was catching up on the shows after – on my way home from Thanksgiving, and you guys were talking about free money. Bobby was talking about looking up and getting free money, and I got home, back to my apartment. I checked my mail, and I had a letter from the New York State Comptroller telling me that I had unclaimed funds. Like, literally the same day I listened to the podcast. So, anyway, I will report back in 10 to 14 business days, and I find out if my check is for a penny or for a dollar. Crunch, crunch.
Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Just calling to thank you as well as John Gosselin for reminding me to shake out any clothes I pick up from the floor, any blankets I have folded on the couch so that I do not get bit by a brown recluse spider, which is one of my many nightmares. I don't even know if they live in my area. I refuse to Google it because then that will bring me possibly, probably in contact with a picture of one, and I, I won't, I don't. Um, yeah, I've shaken out every single piece of cloth I've picked up since yesterday, and I will probably continue to do so until the day I die. So thank you for keeping me safe. Crunch, crunch. Hey, Lindsay Bobby, it's Colin, long time, long time. Um, this doesn't really require an answer, but I just, um, I remembered that Richard Curtis, <laughs> or at least Richard Curtis was like a daughter, is a listener, and I just wanted to make sure that he's aware of this story about a snowstorm um, that took place in northern England where a bunch of people went to see an Oasis cover band, and then they got snowed, and then they had to spend the whole weekend in the pub. Um, I think that sounds like a great Richard Curtis movie, and I I wanted to make sure that he gets the rights ASAP. Um, crunch, crunch, women don't belong in balloons. Bye. Who is Lakeith Stanfield? Thank you.